Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program when you visit walkintruth.com. Happy New Year's Eve. Join us for the next half hour to hear part four of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 called Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up. The title that knowledge puffs up is the idea that knowledge without love can swell us up. Instead of building us up, it can swell us up. But when we have love, love's goal is always to build up. And the Corinthians were raised in a culture that was really uh, just filled with different gods and goddesses, what we would call idols. And they were all over the landscape. And if you were raised in a Gentile pagan home, this is what you knew. You knew gods and goddesses of the earth and the sky and the sea. And they would make sacrifices to these gods. And these gods had pagan temples in these cities. And they would try to appease them or try to sacrifice to them to get blessings back in their own life. They lived largely in fear of these idols. And the Apostle Paul came into Corinth and he preached the message of the one true God. If you look at 1 Corinthians 8, 4, it says these words, Therefore concerning the things, the eating of things offered to idols, 1 Corinthians 8, 4, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and there is no other God but one. And so when Paul went into Corinth or Thessalonica or other places, Ephesus, he began to say that there's only one true God. All these thousands of gods that you've known, gods with a small g, so-called gods, are actually false. They, they have no reality. If there is any reality behind them, it's demonic. But they're just made of wood and stone and so forth. And they can't talk. Psalm 115, they can't see, they can't feel. And the psalmist says, those who make them will be like them. Romans 1 picks up this theme and says that those who make idols really make idols, you know, to be like man or uh, creatures, and really they make an idol that re really represents the ultimate idolatry, which is self. And Dr. Martin famously said, Dr. Walter Martin, who's since gone home to be with the Lord, more people than you could shake a stick at shave their God every morning, or not to leave the women out, curl her hair. One of the, th the biggest struggles we have is idolatry of self. And in Corinth, the people were so concerned about their individual rights, they were using their knowledge, even right theology, to do wrong action. They were going back into the idol's temple. Uh, sometimes restaurants were connected with these temples. And they were eating there. They were dining there. And they were participating in some way in idolatry, but they were justifying it theologically. They were saying, it's okay because we already know Paul's already preached that an idol's nothing. It's just a block of stone or a piece of wood. It's made by man and often fashioned in the image of man or an animal. It means nothing. But there were more sensitive souls or people who were newer to the faith who were being stumbled by this activity. Maybe they would walk by an outside restaurant connected to a temple, see a more mature Christian leader sitting and dining in the idol's temple, and it was a stumbling block to them. When Paul was in Ephesus and he was preaching the one true God, there was a whole riot that 
uh, was drummed up and Demetrius, the leader of the silversmiths, said, Paul has convinced people all around that there is only one true God and that our great goddess Artemis or Diana is false. And she was. And there was a riot because Paul was preaching the one true God. And we have to understand in our culture that that's not a popular message. That when we say there's one true God, one true way, one true path, that's the one thing that seems to be unacceptable in our culture. <laughs> to preach the fact that there's one true God, but there is one true God by nature. There are so-called gods, false gods and goddesses, but they're simply idols. And if they have any reality to them, they're demonic. But they're simply man-made things. That's not the God of the Bible. In verse 6, 1 Corinthians 8, Paul says, Yet for us, for believers, there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things. He created everything. And we exist for Him. And one Lord Jesus Christ, so closely connected to the Father, that he's called Lord, shadowing or echoing the Hebrew Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Jesus Christ is God, second person of the Holy Trinity. And when we call him Lord, we are really using a divine name. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's from the book of Joel. And it goes over, of course, to the book of Romans. And so this is an early creedal statement. What do you mean, Pastor Michael? I mean this. That early believers would repeat this. This was kind of a, a phrase to capture their faith and maybe even spoken at people's baptisms. Notice you have the Father from whom are all things. We exist for Him. We have one Lord Jesus Christ by whom are all things and we exist through Him. We live through Christ. He created us. He redeemed us. Notice we exist for God, not for ourselves. We were made to honor and glorify Him. And I'll say this to you. The more you uh, try to keep yourself autonomous from God, you try to live your life without God, the more empty you will find yourself to be. In fact, I would say, and I think we all realize this who have become Christians, that God has given us kind of this place in our heart that we're going to sense an emptiness until we find Him. The writer of Ecclesiastes says God has put eternity in our hearts. We long for something more. As human beings, we ask the big questions, the why questions. Why am I here? Why do I exist? Where am I going? And 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says we belong to God. We live for Him. Jesus Christ is our Creator and our Redeemer. However, look at verse 7. This is a strong adversative. Uh, it's, it's kind of telling us there's not all people who have this knowledge. Not all men have this knowledge. But some, seven, being accustomed to the idol, this is what they grew up in until now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol or a real God, small g. And their conscience being weak is defiled. Some people may be strengthened by what they saw in their culture. Maybe they saw other Christians going back to the world and they said, oh, I can do that too. Okay, that person shared a Bible verse with me and that, that Bible verse says an idol's really nothing. So I'll go back and I'll participate some way in idolatry again. 
only to find that when they did it, when they took the bite, when they entered into the pagan temple, their conscience began to beat them up. They polluted or defiled or compromised their conscience. And it is not a good thing to go against your conscience. You see, whatever you can't do from faith is actually sin. And while some people were going into the idol's temple and saying, I'm cool, I'm good, because theologically I understand that thing is nothing, there were still others who were having their conscience defiled by that very act. Their conscience described here at end of verse 7 as being weak is then defiled. And the word here is soiled, stained, or made dirty. I heard a question come in. Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact show it was, but it was this idea of a person and, and a modern movement where they're saying now evangelical Christians are thinking that it's a good idea that they go back, for example, to a bar and uh, maybe they were an alcoholic in their uh, former life. They've come to Christ. Now to go back into bars and talk like people in the world talk and hang out there and throw back a couple of cold ones and share your faith with the world. And you know what? The response of that pastor was like, I'm not sure that that's a really good idea. Because there's other ways that we can reach the world. We don't have to go into the bar and slam back a cold one to talk their language. You see, we, we can talk to them at work and, and we can hang out with them in other contexts. But we have to be cool and hip and in now. But you know what we do sometimes is we're not strong enough to go back to those places. We think we are. And maybe there's something in us that wants to go back because we kind of miss some of that. Maybe we want to go back and we, we say, oh yeah, I'm going to go back and witness with, I'm going to witness to my buddies. I'm going to go back into, the, into that scene. I'll go back into the nightclub scene. I'll go back into the gentleman's club. <laughs> there I think I can reach some people. I just won't look. See, sometimes on a sub-level, we're making it sound good, but maybe it's not good. Or maybe our motives are a bit mixed. Maybe we've put the idol back in front of our face because there's something in our flesh that wants to go back there, but we give it a Christian spin. I'm good. I can do that. Alistair Begg told a story. I think it was a man in his congregation who he was working with some, some uh, buddies and uh, they used to go off to these so-called gentlemen's clubs and he became a Christian and he stopped. And uh, three of his buddies were going to go one day, you know, it was a Friday night, end of work. Hey, come on, let's go, let's go. And he goes, no, I, I don't go to those places anymore. I'm not going with you. Okay, okay, Christian boy, holy Joe. <laughs> and they made fun of him and they left and he felt pretty terrible. And he went home and he got a call over the weekend. And one of those men said to him, I want to know why you don't go to those places. I want to know why you don't go. You see, I just found out my wife is pregnant and we're going to have a baby girl. And I want to know why you don't go to those places. You see, the unbeliever understands that once we get saved, our lives are going to change. That we're not going to sit there and bow before the idols anymore that used to be in our lives. That we're going to make a break from those. And do you know that there's other people who want to make a break from them as well? 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Today's your last chance in 2019 to give a tax-deductible donation. So please help our mission to get Walk in Truth on more radio stations in 2020. We have a chance to get on 13 new radio stations across the country. Some are even secular stations, which is good, so we can reach out to more people who have never even heard the gospel before. You'd be helping us with the bill for the airtime for those stations. We still need 80 more people to commit to $30 a month. Would you please become our next partner? Please give online today at walkintruth.com. Give whatever you can. You can even give a one-time gift if you'd like. Click the Donate button on walkintruth.com. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. The response of that pastor was like, I'm not sure that that's a really good idea. Because there's other ways that we can reach the world. We don't have to go into the bar and slam back a cold one to talk their language. You see, we, we can talk to them at work and, and we can hang out with them in other contexts, but we have to be cool and hip and in now. But you know what we do sometimes is we're not strong enough to go back to those places. We think we are. And maybe there's something in us that wants to go back because we kind of miss some of that. Maybe we want to go back and we, we say, oh yeah, I'm going to go back and witness with I'm going to witness to my buddies. I'm going to go back into, the, into that scene. I'll go back into the nightclub scene. I'll go back into the gentleman's club. <laughs> there I think I can reach some people. I just won't look. See, sometimes on a sub-level, we're making it sound good, but maybe it's not good. Or maybe our motives are a bit mixed. Maybe we put the idol back in front of our face because there's something in our flesh that wants to go back there, but we give it a Christian spin. I'm good. I can do that. Alistair Begg told a story. I think it was a man in his congregation who he was working with some, some uh, buddies and uh, they used to go off to these so-called gentlemen's clubs and he became a Christian and he stopped. And uh, three of his buddies were going to go one day, you know, it was a Friday night, end of work. Hey, come on, let's go, let's go. And he goes, no, I, I don't go to those places anymore. I'm not going with you. Okay, okay, Christian boy, holy Joe. <laughs> and they made fun of him and they left and he felt pretty terrible. And he went home and he got a call over the weekend. And one of those men said to him, I want to know why you don't go to those places. I want to know why you don't go. You see, I just found out my wife is pregnant and we're going to have a baby girl. And I want to know why you don't go to those places. You see, the unbeliever understands that once we get saved, our lives are going to change. That we're not going to sit there and bow before the idols anymore that used to be in our lives. That we're going to make a break from those. And do you know that there's other people who want to make a break from them as well? But sometimes 
Christians are so, so trying to fit with the world. And look, Jesus was in places where there were parties and there were prostitutes and there were tax collectors and sinners. But Jesus would draw the line. And he would challenge people. He wasn't trying to look like them. He was trying to reach them. And I think there's a very fine line for us as believers. And they were probably saying something like this. Paul, you, told, you taught us, and Jesus said this, that food is really not an issue. Look at verse 8. Food will not commend us to God. It won't bring us closer to God. We are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do eat. Now, I was raised in a Roman Catholic household, Italian Roman Catholic, and I think this may have changed in the Catholic Church. Maybe some of you can correct me if I'm wrong, but on Fridays, we were not supposed to eat meat. It was a day where when you didn't eat meat, it was like, it was like for penance. It was like if you've blown it during the week, that's something that you sacrifice to get back right with God. And I remember there were a couple times when I was a kid and... Uh, you know, all of a sudden, I, I was in the kitchen. I made it like a bologna sandwich, and I bit into it. And I went, oh, no, it's Friday. I'm condemned. I knew Oscar Mayer was going to do me in. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, that was just a tradition of the church. Food won't bring me closer to God and won't bring me farther away. Food is neutral. Now, food can affect your health. Food can impact you other ways, but spiritually speaking, Jesus said, what a man eats just goes into his body and is eliminated. It's not about your hands being clean or ceremonially clean. It's not about what you eat. It's what comes out of a man that defiles a man. Not what goes into a man, but what comes out of a man. Food, like many things in life, is neutral. You're not better if you eat or worse if you do not eat but food that is connected to idolatry is an issue in fact in the jerusalem council in acts 15 29 they said these are the essentials we want to lay before you without any further burden write this down acts 15 29 that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication if you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. And then they say farewell. There are some essential things, and it is hard to divorce the food in this setting offered to an idol in an idol's temple to divorce that from the idolatry that is going on within it. It is hard to draw that line and to somehow compartmentalize it. In fact, I'm going to argue that you can't do it. I'm going to argue that this is not a chapter about matters of opinion, and if you decide you want to go there, fine, and if another person says, my conscience can't handle that, fine, no. I think this is more serious than Romans 14. I think Paul is giving a dire warning. Check this out. He says, but take care, verse 9. If you have an NIV, it says, be careful, lest this liberty, see the word liberty there? That's exousia in Greek, and it's a word that means authority or right or permission lest this authority of yours this decision that you've made probably a catchword for the corinthian uh, christians of yours somehow become a stumbling block to the weak now we saw the week a few verses ago and paul says now be careful 
You think you have a liberty to go back into the temple and do what you want to do, the pagan temples? But be careful, because this so-called right or authority that you have said you have may become an obstacle, a stumbling block. Literally, it may strike at the foot or the conscience of those who are weak and cause them to fall. Here's a modern application. If you're a Christian and you say to another Christian, I believe it's okay for us to go back and do this or that, and it is overtly, clearly sinful. If you give somebody counsel to commit sin against God, and think about, you guys are smart people, think about the modern applications. Think about the professing church that is saying to people who are in overt sin, whether it's popular or not to say this, they are in outright sin against God and the church is saying, you're okay. They're winking at it. Or more so, they're even promoting it. They're saying, this is okay now. Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. The bat phone rang and God says, now that, that one doesn't really matter anymore. Because the culture's changed. So we got to change with the times, do we? And so some people actually in pastoral positions are giving people the authority to go back and sin against God. And I want to say this as clearly as I can. That is a grave mistake, my friend. If you tell someone you are okay to go back to this, something that's clearly God has said is sinful, you are on shaky ground. And, I, and I'm going to say you're going to answer to God for it. If you get thrown a pitch uh, about something culturally speaking, and you bunt instead of taking a full swing for the sake of political correctness, fill in the blanks, I think you know what I'm talking about, and you bunt or you swing and miss because you don't want to rock the boat of the culture, you're going to answer to God. These, these things that the culture is discussing, like, for example, our our government could not even pass a law that said if a, an abortion is botched and a baby comes out alive, that that baby should be spared and given medical attention. Our government could not pass that law. They said, they voted along party lines and they said, no, 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 I'm going to vote. And whatever the vote was, I don't even care if it was close. It shouldn't have been close at all. There should have been zero on the other side. We have lost our moral conscience for the sake of political correctness or party lines if we can't even say a baby survives a botched abortion and we will not give that baby medical attention. What in the world is going on? What in the world is going on with America? And if we think we're going to get away with it, we're wrong. We're flat out wrong. Israel didn't get away with it, and America is not going to get away with it. You're listening to Walk in Truth. This was part four of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians 8, entitled, Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up. Today's your last chance in 2019 to give a tax-deductible donation, so please help our mission to get Walk in Truth on more radio stations in 2020. We have a chance to get on 13 new radio stations across the country. Some are even secular stations, which is good, so we can reach out to more people who have never even heard the gospel before. You'd be helping us with the bill for the airtime for those stations. 
we still need 80 more people to commit to $30 a month. Would you please become our next partner? Please give online today at walkintruth.com. Give whatever you can. You can even give a one-time gift if you'd like. Click the donate button on walkintruth.com. And thank you. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, it's the last day of 2019. Can you believe it? Man, another year has passed. And you know, when you come to the end of every year, it's a great time to look at your life, look at your Christian walk, and hopefully you can say, I'm not the person I used to be because God has been changing my life little by little. I'm surrendering more. I'm giving more. I'm not the man that I used to be. I'm not the woman I used to be, but I'm not the man or woman I want to be. And in 2020, Lord, would you make me more like Jesus? Would you change me, mold me into the image of your son so that I can be building others up in the coming year? That's a great prayer. I'd also like to express my appreciation and the deep appreciation of the staff of Walk in Truth for all of you who pray for us, listen, tell friends about us, have supported us. It's an awesome thing to be getting out the greatest news of all, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We so appreciate and love you. Tell a friend about what you're hearing on the program. Pray about partnering with us. And we're looking forward to what God will do in 2020. Big things are ahead. May God richly bless you and your family. Tune in tomorrow for part five of Pastor Michael's message in 1 Corinthians chapter eight called Knowledge Puffs Up, Love Builds Up. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth today. We're always equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.